I'm just trying. Just open my beer. I'm just trying to get you to smile. Just open my beer. <laughs> I can't even know what life are you living? Get it together, Bloom. I know. I try. We found the bottled ones. I did. Thank you. You are more than welcome. They've been sitting in front of you. Oh, I know, but you weren't sitting in front of me. <laughs> Coming at it with all the energy today. All the energy in the world. Well, I'm pouring my fucking beer. I'm concentrating. I'm getting ready for the weekend. It's only Tuesday. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I wish. It's been such a long week already. But we get the whole weekend off together. We do, but it's only Tuesday. <laughs> but we gotta work this weekend. We gotta get shit done. Yeah, but it'll be fun work. It will. Be working with puppies. Yeah, I'm excited. Doing all the fun shit. I have homework assignments for you. We won't talk about those on the podcast. Okay, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so it better not be math. I'm gonna be pissed. Yes. I'm gonna be pissed Algebra, off if it's math. Geography, <laughs> geology. We're gonna do it all. God damn. <laughs> but not today. Today, we're doing. Welcome to the Nightmare Box, presenting yet another edition of the two, 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 star, 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 two, 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 days, 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 days. Days, days, days. My name is Brett Blue. I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the badass bitch back in the gym. All the energy in the world after a day at work. Kristen Bloom. Because <sighs> I haven't had my pre-workout today. No pre-workout. My post-work or post-gym jitters. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel going into is it week five? Week four. Week four. Um, I feel good. Like I feel like I'm starting to see results. I also feel like I'm getting my ass kicked a little bit. Yeah. Uh, like I definitely feel like I can do more with like slightly heavier weights but at the same time i'm just like i hate this i don't want to do this anymore you moved up to eight pounds right yeah that was the big thing <laughs> my, yesterday my whopping eight pound dumbbells <laughs> well it's not it's not for like the other stuff like i can do like a hundred pounds on like the leg press and like um like the machines yeah. where it's like cable machines and stuff i can do a bit more weight but like the dumbbells where you're doing like the side raises and mm -hmm. all that shit like it hurts my shoulders too much to do <laughs> any more than eight pounds well i'm proud of you <laughs> you made it all the way up to eight pounds <laughs> at this point you can do like the shoulder lift with a baby if you had yeah, it by the a ankle newborn baby <laughs> <laughs> brand new hasn't even had a chance to eat yet baby. <laughs> brand new unwashed alien looking covered in yeah. mucus Drip, drip, drip. But I started at five pounds and it's only been four weeks, so maybe in four more weeks I'll be at ten pounds. Hell yeah. <laughs> Doing good, love. I'm proud of you. Super duper proud of you. Thanks. But we're not here to bring you yet another excursion into Kristen's gym successes, of which there are many and we could do whole episodes on. We're here to talk about Jacob's Ladder. And you might be thinking to yourself, Jacob's Ladder, like the classic Jacob's Ladder, like that movie I've heard about but I've never actually seen. I was thinking like the piercing. What piercing? A Jacob's Ladder is a when dudes get their dick pierced all the way down. That's a Prince Albert. Oh, is it really? Yeah. I thought it was a Jacob's Ladder. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> really? It's called a Prince Albert, yep. So you get you get a ring shot through I your thought, cockhead. I thought that was a Jacob's Ladder. Nope. Oh. <laughs> so, you, you didn't correct me the whole time we were watching this, I, and I was like, 
That's not what I think of when I think of that. I thought maybe you were thinking the biblical reference to Jacob's Ladder. No, I thought that's what they called the dick piercings. Nope. Oh, well. That would explain why I didn't laugh or understand the joke. I was like, did she think we were going to sit here and watch a biblical movie about Jacob's Ladder? It wasn't that Jacob's Ladder. It wasn't a a, a ring shot through your cockhead. I've never seen the original. No. Okay. So what you're talking about is just the single piercing. What I'm talking about is a Jacob. That is a Jacob's ladder. I swear. We'll Google it afterwards. When you get your dick pierced the entire way down, like multiple I've piercings. I've never seen that, You've and I have that? at least five friends with Prince Albert piercings. Yeah. Well, the, we're gonna Google it after this show. I'm yeah, good. I'm totally right. Yep, like I'm a, not shooting anything. A Jacob's ladder is when I don't you care how, pierce your dick yeah, multiple. I'm, I'll wear. And it literally looks like a ladder. I'll, I'll wear a ribbed for her pleasure condom before I get you know multiple fucking cock piercings. Yeah. So see, I I might be right. I don't know. I, now I'm confused as to what kind of people you hang out with. <laughs> Are we here to talk to you about this weird penis anomaly that I'm being introduced to for the first time in the I'm middle of the sure intro? I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. Yeah, it's when you <laughs> pierce, like, all the way down it. Yeah, like it's multiple piercings going down the length of your dick. And it's like little ladder rungs. That's why it's called a Jacob's Ladder. I'm 90% sure that's a thing. I mean, you're exposing yourself more than you are me, my love. I thought I'd found the, the, the edge of deviancy, you know, in my younger years. No. I had a friend who got a Prince Albert and it got infected. Mm. Yep. Yeah. We're going to Google, or I'm going to Google this afterwards because I feel like I need to prove that I'm right. Okay. Uh, we're not talking about that today. We're not talking about the classic 1990 film. We're also not talking about Jacob's the Bible. Ladder. And we're also not here to talk about the Bible. Maybe I might do an episode based on the 1990 Jacob's Ladder featuring cock piercings and the Bible. But no, we're not here to bring any of that to you today. We're here to talk about a film that I did not know existed. That was the move. I should have done... Because there was no interesting no, trivia on piercings. this. Yeah, I should have done trivia about Jacob's Ladder piercings. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, this I, I, I don't think you're right at all. And I almost want to completely pause this to I clarify. I am 90% sure. We can pause. I'll go Google it. 90% sure, that's right. But we're not here to talk about any of that today. <laughs> what we're here to bring you is a, uh, a remake I didn't know that happened in 2019. Jacob's Ladder. I didn't know the original movie existed until we stumbled across this one, so... I'd heard of the original film. I've never seen Jacob's Ladder. I know, don't push me off a ledge, but it's going to make this, I think, a less biased review. But yeah, we'll we had talked it. about maybe we watching... We, don't, we can't compare it to the original. <laughs> we had talked about maybe trying to watch the original first, but uh, movies that are of interest on Netflix are in short supply for our two stars right now, so... Yeah. We did this. Hell yeah. So, let's get into it. <laughs> um... 2019, it's Jacob's Ladder, yeah. not the cock piercing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to name this episode that. Um, Jacob's Ladder. Instead of the date, just not the cock piercing. <laughs> Good luck, you figure it out. Um, so, pretty universally hated, it seems. No shit. Um, IMDb uh, gave it a 3.4. Too much. The critics on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> gave it a 5%, and there... Um, is no audience score on yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. There is an abundance of one-star reviews that are hilarious if you want to go and read those. And then if you click over and you search 10-star reviews, all of them are accusing all of the one-star reviews of racism. Oh. So they think people hated it just because the just cast was the black character instead was black. of white? Yeah. Um, one of them I don't even think was black, if I'm honest with you. But <laughs> um, <laughs> we need and, to do more research. He looked, he looked pretty Colombian. <laughs> I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but the original Jacob Slatter Rotten Tomato scores were much higher. They were more like in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, I did read in the trivia section on this movie that supposedly it was 
finished for an entire year before it ever premiered at all. That, which, that'll make you nervous. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it doesn't show that uh, many people were very interested in yeah. this. And then they did an even weirder thing for me, which is they dropped it on Dish Network and then released it for a theatrical release. That is weird. Hmm. <laughs> I will. Like, it's a made-for-TV movie. Never mind. Never mind. Not made-for-TV. It belongs in the theatre. <laughs> Um, this was directed by David M. Rosenthal. Rosenthal, love. Rosenthal, there you go. There's Can't have that accent and slowly do Jewish names. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I don't do the names on this show. Um, he hadn't really done anything at all that I was familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the screenplay was written by two separate people, Sarah Thorpe, who also hadn't done anything at all that I was familiar with, but Jeff Bueller. Um, wrote the remake of Pet Cemetery. No shit. And apparently also they're doing a remake of The Grudge because he was listed as the writer for a grudge dated 2020. Wow. Yeah. So that was news to me. I was like, they're doing a remake of The Grudge? We're officially old. They're redoing movies that we were alive when the originals came out. So It's all falling apart. That might be the most interesting interesting thing about today's episode. I discovered they're doing a remake of the Grudge. Yeah, I'll give them. I'll, I'll give complete props for the Pet Cemetery remake. I'm on the fence about whether they needed to change the gender of the children, um, but who am I? Did they change? Oh, Pet Cemetery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah but it was pretty well done for the most part. It was another one of those movies where I was kind of like eh at the end, mm-hmm. but pretty well done. Um, this was based on Jacob's Ladder by Bruce Joel Rubin. I didn't um, look up any of his stuff, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, no uh, budget or any of that kind of information because I have a feeling they probably lost money on this. <laughs> so, uh, characters? You want to do a synopsis first or should we do the characters, characters first? first? I can never remember which one happens. Characters first because that way you know who we're talking about. Hell yeah. So our starring role is Michael Ely. He plays Jacob Singer. He's our uh, main character. He's the... This is his ladder, not his dick. <laughs> he is the character who we initially think um, his brother died in the war and he's mm-hmm. suffering PTSD from it. And uh, He was a combat medic in Afghanistan. Yeah. yeah. Turns out maybe that's not accurate. No. I uh, also found out today while I was reading around, uh, he turned down a career as a model to become an actor full time. So instead of just relying on his good looks, he's out here trying to make himself into an actor with he good looks. looks. very familiar, but I actually didn't see anything because I like checked the first couple and then gave up because none of them really had any work I was yeah. familiar with. He didn't have anything in his movie history that I was familiar with, but he looks extremely familiar. He's a handsome bastard. He reminds me of that, uh, the, uh, fuck, the, the meme that was going around of the hot convict. You know who I'm talking uh-huh. about? Yeah. <laughs> he kind of had that face. He has resting, I'm sad face. Mm-hmm. He constantly has like a pouty look going on. It's good for him. <laughs> uh, next is Jesse Williams, plays Isaac Singer. That's the brother who initially we think is dead and turns out maybe that's not accurate either. Yeah, maybe he's dead. Maybe he's a hallucination. Maybe he's He's real. What's going on? Then Nicole Bahari (laughs) as Samantha Singer. This is Jacob's quote-unquote wife. Or Isaac's quote-unquote wife. Does she exist? We may never know. And then Carla Souza. 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 Annie slash Angel. Um, and I could be wrong about this, but she looked very familiar to me when her character popped back up later in the movie. 
I think she's the chick leaning on the car with the pharmacist trying to get Jacob to go out with yeah. them. Uh, she definitely ends up being the hooker that he fucks later in the movie, though. For sure. <laughs> and the uh, veteran, the VA pharmacist that we run into is played by Guy Burnett. He plays Hoffman. Uh, and yeah, he's the VA pharmacist. Um, so, synopsis. I mean, I'd say you just read the little Wikipedia thing that it has right there. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've never seen a synopsis uh, five, just exactly one paragraph. Yeah, there's the Wikipedia page for this movie had basically no information. It's basically just uh, the characters that are most important to the movie, which yeah. is hilarious because there's normally a like huge list of side characters, the synopsis, and basically just a thing saying this movie tanked. Yeah. There's more references than there are information. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'll just read that. Uh, after losing his brother in combat, Jacob Singer returns home from Afghanistan only to be pulled into a mind-twisting state of paranoia. Singer soon realizes that his sibling is alive, but life is not what it seems. With his life now altered, he must figure out what is real and what is not. Oh my god. And so must we all. <laughs> and that's what we're here to discuss today. <laughs> yeah. You're the runner of the notes today there, Kristen <laughs> Bloom. Um... Right, well, I want to start with a reference that you made, because I don't know okay. that I've ever heard a movie described that way before, and it is very interestingly accurate. You kept referring to this as a video game movie. Yeah. Um, and the whole time we were watching this movie, um, our MC is a doctor mm -hmm. who served in the military and now is an ER doctor. And I'm like, this dude's yeah. making he some was a, money. He was a sure. combat vet. Now he works for the VA as a medic. Or a surgeon at the VA hospital. Well, I don't know if he worked at the VA or the regular hospital. I thought hospital. that's how were... him and the pharmacist were so close. Because he was wearing his surgeon getup when he went to the pharmacy table. And maybe, I'm not sure. They're so vague on that, I couldn't maybe tell. Maybe it's Vanderbilt. It's built right <laughs> next to the VA. And that's... <laughs> yeah, I couldn't tell if he worked at a regular hospital or if he worked at the VA. And that was just his pharmacist that gives him his drugs. Yeah. Um, but anyway... Uh, the point is, this dude can't be that short on cash. He's got a very beautiful house, and he is forever just walking around or taking public transit throughout this whole movie. At one point, has like a 67 Camaro that yeah. he just like rides up in. But then for some reason, the whole rest of the movie, he never drives his own car really much of anywhere. He's just constantly walking around or taking the subway or whatever. And this is a movie basically of a dude walking around... To obscure places that have nothing to do with the point of the story, just so weird shit can happen. Well, that's why I call it a video game movie. I've used it, I think, maybe a handful of times here on the show, and I, I, I don't think I've ever fully explained it. Um, and there's probably a more textbook name for it. But to me, there are video game books, there are video game movies. We are going to X location so that this can happen so that we can move the story forward. Do we really need to be here? No. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, and that's basically how I need this... to go here so that I can find out the scientist is mad so that I can go home instead of just going home. Yeah. And there's like a whole scene where um, he thinks his brother runs away, so he chases him and somehow finds him back down in the subway and then follows a creepy old lady and then hits his head and then he's yeah. back in the hotel room for some reason instead of at the hospital. And like, it's just so bizarre like he keeps mm -hmm. just randomly going to places that have nothing to do with the plot of the story just so something can happen yeah, to just him. so he can be assigned a task yeah. for the next 15 minutes 
Yeah. It drives me nuts. I don't know. And there probably is like a real world thing there, but it is just shitty writing. It's a person who plays a lot of video games. And I'm not hating on video games. You can get a job as a video game writer and make a decent amount of cash. Video games are awesome. I'm bad at them. So maybe it's a little spiteful. But the games I play tend to be a bit more open-ended or they're shooters. Like, well, it makes more context. I don't in, play the, you know, go farm for gold for the next 20 minutes games. Well, it makes more context in a video, or it makes more sense in the context of a video yeah. game because um, you're the one going to complete the task and you're the one doing the action, so mm-hmm. there's some form of fulfillment there and you're moving from task to task and in a movie that's set up that way, you're just watching someone else do things that don't really quite make sense. Yeah, it's like you're watching somebody play a video game. Yeah, kind of. But, like, this is so poorly pieced together. Like, I walked away... Like, it's a movie that's supposed to be kind of, I think, um, a little confusing, and the narrator isn't necessarily a reliable Well, that's my understanding of the original, was that it was, like, nauseating and how confusing it was right up to, like, the last scene. Yeah. But this movie isn't set up in a way where it's like, oh, it's cleverly confusing to keep you guessing. It's like... This thing happened to him, and then we completely jumped to this other thing that he's doing now, and I don't know for sure if the other thing was mm-hmm. real or not, or why it mattered, and it wasn't like a, oh, that was interesting, and what's going on? It was like a, okay, but is this... Jax. You gotta settle, bud. It's like, is this character even real, but... Then he suddenly got blood on his shirt yeah. for some reason, and then so now we yeah, there's zero rules that are put into the into play here, because if that's a hallucination, then he should look perfectly normal after the hallucination. If he's covered in blood, who the fuck did he just kill? Yeah, <laughs> and then we're also establishing that other characters outside of him acknowledge the events that are happening. So it's like, okay, how much of this is just in his head? If the other characters around him are also being like, okay, well, yeah. this is happening, you know? So yeah, spoiler alert one two, three, it turns out he's the homeless guy, right? So at the end of the movie, he's the homeless guy, which means earlier in the movie, before he found his brother, he broke into the house with a baseball bat, shattered fucking everything, chasing two hooded people that we never get to understand who they are. And she's never like, well, why did you come in here with a bat the other day and fuck up all my house? (laughs) Who did you beat up that night? Did you throw your brother down the stairs and start hammering his head in? Like... That would have been an interesting dynamic if the hooded creatures were the real-world husband-wife dynamic. And they're like, oh no, he's spiraling again. Remember when he did it last time? He came in here with a fucking baseball bat and beat the shit out of everybody. Yeah, <laughs> and like, the way this movie is set up, it's not like a cool plot twist we've been working toward. It's just like, surprise, this is the truth. And like, yeah. the vibe I get is almost up until... Him breaking into the house at the very end of the movie because he breaks into his brother and turns out not his wife's house. His quote-unquote wife is actually married to his brother and he's hallucinated this life that they have together. Like the vibe that I got was literally the entire movie prior to him climbing into their window and confronting them didn't happen at all. Mm -hmm. Because the entire front end of the movie is... Everybody in the movie accepting that his brother is dead and confirming for him, you know, your brother's dead. What are you talking about? So all of these characters in real life know that's not true, that his brother's alive and that he's actually the one that got injured in the war. So So who do they think is dead? 
Or did none of the movie leading up to that moment happen at all? What was he doing? Then the only real world thing is that the homeless guy broke into the house and you were like, oh shit, my homeless brother. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the end, yeah, the end, he broke in. But yeah, I don't know that any of the rest of the movie actually happened because he goes down to uh, the place where he thinks Hoffman is and Hoffman's suddenly gone and like that's supposed to make us be like, ooh, Hoffman's the bad guy. But it's like maybe Hoffman was never there at all and yeah. he just imagined that entire first conversation. And I've been in a VA hospital, you know, late night and shit is weird in a VA hospital late night because you worked at Vandy, which is mm-hmm. right next to the major VA center in Nashville. And if you're there in the middle of the night, there are just naked people that'll walk out of their rooms and you have to call the nurses to be like, hey, this is happening. So like you will run across like a Vietnam War veteran who is in the throes of dementia and is capably violent and has no idea where the fuck he is. <laughs> you can have these weird surreal moments inside of these types of places, but we cranked it in a different direction. Like we tried to go demony for a while as opposed to just let it be what you're, is it a movie about the VA, about the opium crisis, yeah. the suicide amongst veterans? If you're going to do it, do it. And as I, I would have yeah. so much preferred if we're going to have him interacting with other people that are a part of his life leading up to the big reveal. It'd been a bit more like six cents. Like, these characters yeah, aren't fight club. Yeah, or, yeah, or fight club. Like these characters aren't necessarily reacting in a way that gives away one way or another whether or not they're a part of the hallucination or he's actually talking to these people and they don't see the world the way that he sees it. Because yeah, like basically the whole friend in the movie is a throwaway because the whole friend in the movie, um, Samantha, like treats him like they are married. Yeah. She acknowledges that the brother is dead. The best friend acknowledges that the brother is dead. The psychiatrist acknowledges that the brother is dead. So all of these conversations... Psychologist acknowledges it so hard that he does not agree with him. And then he calls this psychologist over and the psychologist just looks at the brother like, oh yeah, he's still alive now. Yeah. So, I mean, like, the entire time we're running around all these places during this movie, was he just in the subway getting high and that was it? Like... Yeah, that was his whole life. Yeah, like, that makes no sense, and then he just spontaneously decides to break into their house. It's like, I, like okay, so the rest of the movie meant nothing? Like, yeah, it, it's not the Fight Club element, where it's like, spoiler alert, one, two, three. Uh, Tyler Durden didn't exist. Everybody was calling the unnamed main character Tyler Durden because he was, you know, split personality acting out in this, you know, very Tyler way. And then when they do the flashbacks and he's beating the shit out of himself in the parking lot instead of being in the fight, he's giving the big we're the lost generation speech. It makes sense. It all clicks back to zero. This one doesn't click back anywhere. You've not established a point where, you know, it's not even like they clarified that his brother came down to the subway to save him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he literally just breaks into their house and... They don't acknowledge one way or the other whether or not he's a part of their lives. So the assumption is, I guess on my end anyway, that his brother is just a drug addict who just lives in the subway and occasionally breaks into their house because he's confused and thinks he's married to his brother's yeah, wife. Yeah, because and they kind of have that dialogue where it's like, oh, here we go again. Yeah, she's like, he <laughs> needs to see the watch to show him. And then they just, I guess, let him go back to living in the subway. Like they Go don't back let to him, being homeless. Turns out the brother is the hyper-successful surgeon, you know, combat 
dude. Well, we, we don't know what he does. No, can't read it on the ranks on his arms. I paused the movie to be like, what the fuck is <laughs> happening with that uniform? Is that a two-star general E3 with two fucking ribbons? What the fuck are we doing here? That's the thing that bugs me the most, though, is like, I think some people think to have an unreliable narrator, you just have to have a chaotic world in general. And like, we just recently watched, um, I've been thinking of ending things, and granted, I walked away from that movie and needed an explanation. I was like, I need yeah. somebody to explain the ending to me because I don't really quite get the ending. Um, it's one it, of those movies where I don't know if it was so smart that I didn't appreciate it fully. Like, I'm still on the fence. I don't yeah. know if it was poorly done because there's no discernible plot or if it was too smart for me and I need to sit through it one more time. I lean a bit more towards the latter. I think it could have been done a bit better than it was, but I, I do think it was a movie that at least had clearly paved intentions in its yeah. chaos. And like I think for me, like that's what's most important in movies like this. Like I love a movie that can successfully pull off a like tricked you, like yeah. pull the blind. The six senses yeah. you said earlier. Yeah, or Memento. Oh, he's been dead the whole time. <laughs> yeah, Memento. The whole movie's backwards. Turns out, if I'm remembering right, he killed his own uh, wife or whatever yeah. it was. And like, like I love when a movie like lays out the path to get there, and it feels mm -hmm. like you're in like this chaos the whole time, and then you get to the end, and it's like jokes we were leading gotcha. you here the whole time. Yeah, and like with this movie, poor it, example. Uh, is Saul. Like, the first time that I saw it, I don't, uh, <laughs> where I, my mom loves psychological thrillers. So, like, I grew up watching those types of things with her where it's like, okay, I know there's a twist coming, so let me keep my eyes open from the very beginning. And the one that my mom didn't get in real time was when Saul first came out. And then the dude stands up in the middle of the thing, and this whole time you've been watching Zed. Zed is obviously on his own mission. Zed is the bad guy. Zed's the reason that we're here. And then the dude stands up <laughs> in the middle of the bathroom after the leg's been sawed off. And then he takes away Adam's way to get out of the room. Game over. Slams the door closed. And then they do the saw, you know, montage of, oh, you're an idiot. You missed all these clues. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Gordon. <coughs> Like, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I, you're fine. I, what I was going to say is, like, with this movie, it feels like they really wanted to confuse you by kind of forcing you into this perspective of the way the character sees the world, but then didn't have any rules to the world that they had created. Mm -hmm. And even if your character is unreliable and your world is confusing and conflicted, you still have to have, as the writer... Or as the creator, like yeah. established established rules for what happens in your world, what is real, what rules isn't for real. the audience. Yeah, yeah. We like, know that Freddy Krueger can only kill you when you're asleep until he gets stay pulled awake. Into the real yeah, world. but he can be pulled into the real world, so stay awake. Yeah, or pull him in. <laughs> and, and like with this movie, it felt like they were just like, let's just create a sense of confusion and just go, you know. And it's like you need to have rules for what's happening in the real world that the character can't understand what's mm -hmm. happening in the character's world that nobody else in the real world can understand. And what we're seeing as the audience, like you have to have these things established so that at the end of the movie, when your big reveal comes, I don't feel cheated. I feel like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like you didn't trick me. Yeah. You laid all the crumbs. 
I'm just Hansel and Gretel in my way through this shit. You laid them there. I didn't see them there because you were like a magician. You know, I was looking screen left. Action was screen right. (laughs) And like, this movie didn't even really do a good job of hiding it. Like, we started to see as the movie was wearing on his brother becoming more put together and dressed nicer and he was becoming more ragged and i think that was the brilliant part was i was like i don't know who's on drugs and who's real like for the middle part of the film it was a really good move but at a certain point they when they do the reveal and they're like oh shit he's a homeless guy who is enamored with his brother's wife the movie should have ended. And then they were like, here's an extra 15 minutes that you don't need (laughs) to further confuse the plot. Yeah. And like, I agree. There was like a moment in the middle of the movie where it was kind of cleverly confusing, but like Mm -hmm. as soon as he steps foot into the house and he says, I couldn't find my key. And she's like, how'd you get in? And he said, I climbed in through the window and she backs him out of the room and closes the baby's door. Cause she doesn't want him near her baby. I was like, Oh that's not his wife. Like that's it was not instantly. His wife. Yeah. That's not his kid. Yeah, like yeah. it was like instantly obvious in that moment. I was like, I wish there had been a little more like planned build up to this moment that was like intentionally confusing in a way that like fit the story. So when we got there, it was kind of like, wait, what's happening yeah. now? And like whenever we got there, I was like, oh, that's clearly what's happening. <laughs> so it was like, kind of a disappointing reveal. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. That should have been where the movie ended. I don't think um, I don't think you always need a literal bad guy. And in this movie, the mad scientist character is absurd. The the mad scientist is where they get me, you know. And I I, I don't like to play the little social justice role, but I feel like I play them in, in odd places where most people don't play the social justice role. When you walk into the world of mental illness, that is my land. You know, that's where I am. And when we're dealing with the veterans in the throes of mental illness, and you introduce a VA pharmacist who's trying to create a fix for post-traumatic stress disorder in a country where we've been at war since like 1989. (laughs) Our VA system's completely fucked. Like, I feel like there's so much missed social commentary and it's an insult in a large way. I mean... The VA is evil. I, I completely agree with that. I fucking I hate that whole situation. But um, drug use is rampant in the veteran community because you have to get on a six month wait list to talk to a fucking therapist at your local VA. You've got a therapist who has good intentions to fix post traumatic disorder. His patients are overdosing like heroin addicts, which is the reality of a lot of this shit. I don't know. It's such a missed character. You know, if you're going to use him, use him. I I, I, I don't think he needed to be an actual face. He's a metaphor for that, but they never dive all the way into that. Like, I think my solution... Now I'm worked up. I had a friend that I was in college with. He was a Navy guy. He fell off his fucking ship. He got sucked into the propeller and he almost lost his leg. He fucking got hacked by the prop. He got pulled out by his guys. 
and he showed me the pictures and it, it, it went like in three separate places on his thigh completely severed his fucking artery they had damn near had to amputate the leg the va put him on all different kinds of painkillers and then dropped him like a goddamn rock because he came in and he had weed in his system and they pulled his fucking drugs from him and he became a heroin addict for five years he used to carry his drug box it's where he kept his pens yeah like that's the issue here and for (laughs) me i think that's the solution if we're going to keep that in this movie to fixing that like i don't think we necessarily need to see the way that we see the other random characters in this movie fall out and have a seizure and start foaming at the mouth. Um, I think, yeah, I think maybe one or two, but maybe not quite such prominent. Like it's a, a crime Lord type situation happening. Like these are just like homeless people overdosing on the streets. He's not the breaking bad of the fucking veteran community. The VA is the breaking bad of the veteran community. Yeah. And I, I don't, that we have um hoffman's character in this movie at all really to be honest i think my solution would be that there is a um pharmacist character but he's ambiguous enough that we don't really see him in the movie other than just kind of handing out the drugs to people yeah, as and they and being come. the friend maybe trying to talk his whole pal off the fucking yeah, bridge like hey dude i don't want to keep getting you this shit you need to fucking <laughs> well not even that like for me like his character doesn't necessarily need to be a character in the movie it's just a pharmacist handing out the drugs that are being prescribed by the doctors who maybe he thinks is his friend yeah and like i think if we're gonna have a drug in this movie that's causing a problem and it's going to be a metaphor for um you know veterans and you know not getting the help they need and having this perpetual cycle of being addicted to drugs because they need help dealing with uh, the psychological trauma of having gone to war. Didn't do that, but I, <laughs> I, I, I will pour my beer directly into the microphone for my buddies. <laughs> and spill it everywhere. Um, I don't I don't think you need Hoffman. I think you just need the existence of a drug that's not been properly tested or regulated because they're just trying to get these veterans mm-hmm. back out on the street, get them out of their building because they just don't have the time or the money or whatever to deal with them. And, and then was... you could still have um, Jacob's character having negative side effects, like having hallucinations mm-hmm. and becoming addicted and all these other veterans on the street addicted. And you could have ultimately this drug that is killing people. You don't need this confrontation with a mad scientist, though. Like the metaphor period that he is struggling so aggressively that he's hallucinating a better life for himself while he's dying addicted on the streets mm-hmm. is enough. Yeah. Like that's you heavy don't... as fuck and that's the reality. Yeah. And a huge missed opportunity in this film is Jacob's theory that this is a CIA program, that the government is killing off the veterans completely untapped. It's one of the many things that are lost in these video game movies, you know, where he, he's, convinced at a certain point that this is a government program to kill off the homeless vets and they abandon that plot line and i don't think that should be but a... they could have been like the beautiful mind situation yeah. where you're like oh spoiler alert one two three he's schizophrenic <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't think that should be a real plot line i don't think it should really be a government thing but yeah if he no but like in beautiful mind yeah. where he's like i'm not being followed everywhere there is no government program yeah. i'm 
schizophrenic. Yeah. Well, I mean, he doesn't even necessarily have to be schizophrenic if he's just having hallucinations from the drugs. Well, that's what I mean. I'm yeah. Not like, saying make it the beautiful mind, the yeah. beautiful mind ask. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like that's enough. Like, I don't think we need a confrontation with the final character for Jacob to leap out the window and sacrifice himself for his brother. And I guess maybe on some level that's their version of redeeming his character, but... Mm -hmm. Like, it could be enough to just be a commentary on the fact that they're being abandoned and left to deal with these struggles by themselves in the only way that they know how. Mm -hmm. You know? Like... In communities by them. I mean, we live here in Missoula. There is a homeless encampment on the under the Reserve mm -hmm. Street Bridge. There's a literal tent city in our little mountain town. And, like, it's a massive goddamn thing filled with vets who can't get help because there's no VA building here yet. They're finally building one, thank God. You know? <laughs> but unless you want to drive to fucking Helena, you know, or sit on a six-month wait list, there's nowhere for you to go. So they wind up here. That's a real-world situation. Yeah. This is a person who's written a script who either... It couldn't explain this to the producers, you know? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sensitive about certain topics. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. And <laughs> I, I feel like, too, um, the, we don't, like I said, need the literal mad scientist bad guy. And I, I feel like the hallucinations could have been a lot different than what they were. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like... There is a level of humanity at the end whenever he is on the street, like, withdrawing and the hooker character, like, brings him in and gives him the drugs and then they have this intimate Valkyrie moment. Valkyrie wings. Yeah. And well, that, that moment right aside. The goddamn. <laughs> that moment aside, there's a humanity in the fact that she sees him out on the street suffering and she's like, I've got what you need. She brings him inside. She doesn't ask him for money. She gives him the drugs that she knows will make him feel better. They have sex. And His then, pharmacist is the pimp. <laughs> yeah. They have sex, and then whenever he starts, like, seizing up and all that, she goes through his phone and calls his brother to help. So there is this, like, very subtly untapped, like, vulnerability in the fact that she is also an addict that has intimate feelings for him and cares whether or not he dies, but she needs help, too. So, like, we could have lost the whole weird, yeah, she's a demon angel whatever sex moment mm -hmm. and just developed this like struggling community that's trying to take care of each other but isn't able to and like isn't getting the support that they need and like the hallucinations instead of like demons and shit climbing on the wall could have been like i mean i i don't i've never been to war i don't have like that type I've of never PTSD. been to war but i've been shot at a couple of times <laughs> like, i feel like I would think that the hallucinations would be a bit more real world. Like you would mm -hmm. hear a car backfire and think you were being that, shot at. That was the most beautiful. And I paused it to go, that is how it feels. Cause Kristen seeing me shut the fuck down on a couple of occasions. We got a knock on the door, Amazon package. I forgot. I fucking ordered next thing I know I've got a pistol behind my back while I'm like peeping, you know, through the fucking thing, ready to die. And like, and like the, the, the backfiring of the car blending into holy shit where real world being shot at blending into the back window is still intact. That's what it feels like. But you wouldn't feel like you're going down the street still being shot at. You just need to get the fuck away from that immediate situation. Yeah. You might feel that way for blocks if you're by yourself. But if you're with a person who's not flashing, 
that guy's gonna be like brother 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 slow hey no you're okay everything no yeah and in that moment his brother's like oh they're gone they're gone you know and that's it like we don't get like we get a sense of like his brother saw it too which Mm -hmm. granted i think that moment is all in his head i don't think any of that moment really happened but like that's the closest you get to some sort of a I've been shot at yeah. before moment where it's like, hey, I'm getting out of my car. Pop, fuck that. <laughs> he makes a comment several times in the movie, um, or his brother does anyway, that he still sees and still hears his unit that uh, he led into mm-hmm. a bad situation. They all got killed. And then we find out in the end that it's actually Jacob that did it, like led his unit into a situation he shouldn't have led them into yeah, and what he calls a routine room sweeping yeah yeah and he's the only one that survived he watched his whole unit get gunned down because he made a bad choice and instead of seeing weird old lady demons that don't have eyes or weird gorilla looking things on the ceiling like why are we not seeing he's walking down the street and we see his dead combat veteran with half his face blown off yeah. like why or are we not? maybe they're just the inhabitants of the camp you know still as they used to be you know like alive the way that he loved them you yeah. know <laughs> like, I, I don't get why his hallucinations have nothing to do with I, his diagnosis with his trauma mm-hmm. like I, I get that if he's using a bunch of drugs there are going to be side effects from that and like the paranoia and the delusions and stuff might be heightened to like a more extreme level i've worked with mental health patients who are hallucinating things that aren't remotely happening Mm -hmm. so i'm not saying that that stuff doesn't happen but if we're sat in a closet with one of my friends with two rifles just to let him know hey we're here it's okay you want to be in there with your rifle i've got mine in the next room let me go grab mine we'll sit right here until you're okay but i promise you nothing's coming through that fucking door that isn't going to eat death (laughs) yeah if we're making a movie about a veteran suffering from ptsd and his whole life is completely crumbled out from underneath him and we have that heartbreaking moment at the end where he tells his brother it was nice pretending for a little bit that he had his life like why are we not his brother's also supposed to be if we're going to completely flip then his brother's the combat medic his brother is also dealing with the fucking war you know (laughs) but why are we not seeing hallucinations that are more meaningful yeah i've never seen any valkyries and yeah, why does he have that hallucination at all? Like, why do we go What's from... with the little head twitch fucking thing that happens three quarters of the way through the fucking film? Yeah. We don't need that. That's why I'm saying the most beautiful one in the entire deal is when the car backfires and he's like, fuck this, because I've been in that situation. I've done that exact same fucking thing. I didn't hallucinate that they blew out my back window, but I definitely thought I was getting shot at, got the fuck out of yeah. Dodge just to realize, oh, that guy's got a 57 Chevrolet. You know, it's going to do that when he doesn't clean out his Cadillac. You know? Yeah, and like, we have this bizarre moment where the can't go to walmart on sundays very often because it gets too busy and i will just walk away from my cart and leave (laughs) we have this bizarre moment though where the psychiatrist does this monologue about how you only go to hell if you can't let go of your own apparently that's the the exact scene from the original it's a quote it's about... probably better in the original because it makes no sense in the context of this Yeah, movie. well, they say <laughs> that that's kind of like a reoccurring theme is this concept of 
um, you feel like they're demons when they're tearing your life away until you realize that you're the one that's dead and they're trying to take you away from the life, which I think is a thing that they tried to do with the Valkyrie scene, but because the movie didn't end at the Valkyrie scene, the quote holds no context well, to this remake. Not, he's also not dead, so it makes no sense in the context of this character. Like, the psychiatrist gives this well, monologue... Sp yeah, spoiler alert, once again, one, two, three. In the original, apparently the guy dies, so the quote makes perfect yeah. sense. He has to let go of his home to die in the jungles of Vietnam. And here we don't see that. Yeah, and like in this movie, instead of having hallucinations relative to the drugs that he's taking or to his own traumatic experiences, we have this one speech that doesn't feel like it fits the movie where the psychiatrist gives the spill about, yeah, they're demons until you let go of the things that are holding you here and then they become the angels that take you to the light or whatever, yeah. you know? And... He sees random demons throughout the whole movie. The hooker that he fucks, I guess, is meant to be an angel character because they have her listed as an angel. And then at the end of the movie... Yeah, she's supposed to be the Valkyrie that flies you to Valhalla, which yeah. is the, 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 the fucking Nordic belief that there's a land for warriors. But at the end of the movie, then he just dies, like... Because the mad scientist character goes to shoot his brother and he sacrifices himself. And it's like, what was the point of any of the other stuff? Mm -hmm. Like, we've made this weird push and pull instead of making it about, like, this veteran that's suffering with, you know, all these problems and not getting the help that he needs. We've made it this weird push and pull of heaven and hell. Like, is he going to go to heaven? Is he going to go to hell? Yeah. And is then... he going to Valhalla? What fucking religion are we even hoping for? You know, did he lose a wife? What <laughs> Yeah, and then he just kills himself, or he sacrifices himself at the end, and that's it. Like, that's the, the end of the movie. <laughs> Why does he sacrifice himself? Um, so... I've blacked out the whole ending, because by then I was hammered. I was <laughs> they hunt down Hoffman's character, who is legit a mad scientist recreating the drugs and giving them to vets. Uh, Isaac oh, that's gets right, like up on the off. skyscraper, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Isaac gets pissed off and pulls out the phone right in front of the dude instead of just being like, oh, let's get out of here. I'll call the cops later. Pulls yeah. out his phone right in front of the dude and's like, I'm going to call the cops. And then he jumps in like he's well, going to save Nixon's life. He's waving the gun <laughs> Reagan's around. Life. He's waving the gun around the whole time, like, get off the phone, put the phone down. And Isaac's like, nah, he won't shoot. I'm going to stay on the phone. Yeah. And then his brother jumps in front of him to catch the bullet after the dude warned him multiple times to put the phone down. And then. I guess he, like, charges him as he's doing it, and they both fall backwards out the window, and his brother's just like, no. <laughs> I've lost him to suicide. But it's like, he was literally waving this gun around the whole time. He should have yeah. been like, all right. Did Hoffman exist then? Is that what we're yeah, implying? Hoffman was if he's going to call 911 yeah, like, on Hoffman? Yeah, I think that's the only part of the movie that was real. I'm grabbing another beer. You're explaining this ending to me yet again. <laughs> oh, I, I think that's the only part of the whole movie was real. That was my takeaway. Like, instead of this being, like, a conflicting world where some of it's real, some of it's delusion, these characters kind of are kind of intermingling a reality with delusion together. Like, I think legit... His brother was down in the sewers shooting up the entire movie and Hoffman gave him the drugs and he was just living this life of being a homeless vet and I'm assuming every once in a while he pops up into his brother and his brother's wife's life and, yeah. you know, just goes back to the street and goes back to being a druggie and 
Like, I think all of the stuff that happened leading up to the moment that he climbed in the window at the tail end of the movie did not happen. It was all in his head. He didn't talk to his brother's wife. He didn't talk to his brother. He didn't talk to Hoffman. Mm -hmm. He didn't talk to the psychiatrist. I think literally all of that leading up to that moment was just in his head. And he was in the subway shooting up. And then he starts to sort of come back to reality and is a little confused, breaks into his brother's house. They tell him the truth. And then he goes and confronts Hoffman. The brother chases him down and finds him. The brother realizes Hoffman is the one giving him the drugs. The brother Is goes, he the pimp at that point, or is he the I don't pharmacist? think he's a pimp. He's, he, I think he is a pharmacist who has been on the side moonlighting, creating this drug. Okay, um, so the camp exists. and Yeah, because like, they show a flashback. <sighs> Yeah, they show I remember a, everything that happened, but at that point, I was too fucked up to yeah, follow. They like, show a flashback, and Jacob's the one laying like in the cot in the camp. Yeah. So yeah, I think literally the entire movie le- leading up to him breaking into the house did not happen at all. It was all in his head. And then he freaks out his brother and his brother's wife, runs off to confront Hoffman. His brother follows him because his brother's like, wait, come back. Yeah. You know? And then his brother realizes Hoffman. Why go in there with a plan? It's not yeah. like we're veterans. Yeah. Brother, there's one good thing we can do. It's kick that door in and fuck that guy up. <laughs> call the cops or whatever. But his brother realizes Hoffman's his drug dealer. Hoffman tries to shoot him. His brother dies. And literally, that's the only genuine part of the movie where we see these two characters together. Yeah. All of the rest of it is just in his head. I'm, I, 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 I. Do you think it's intentional or do you think it's sloppy? I think it's sloppy. Yeah, because with movies like... Sixth Sense or Memento or even Eternal Sunshine, which I know is a movie you haven't seen. Like, it's a very confusing, the world keeps altering kind of reality. And then I've been thinking of ending things. Like, it's very confusing and the world keeps altering. But the characters are moving fluidly through the world. And even though the world itself keeps changing, these are things that are actually happening to them, Mm -hmm. whether it's in their head or in real life. And at least some of the characters are experiencing these things. And with this, it was literally just, we made up a bunch of shit on the front end to reveal that none of it was real, and then he dies. Yeah, so the last 15 minutes are the only real-world, tangible thing that happened. Yeah, like, because you... Because we never see that Camaro again, which is, like, the wildest shit to me. It's like, he rolled up in that shit, and then it's just gone. (laughs) We could have rewritten the movie where, like, instead of... Um, him and his wife, like, having sex on the couch or whatever. Like, he's playing with the kid and the wife is sitting next to him. And in his mind, he thinks that... This is his child. Yeah, this is his child and this is his wife. But in the real world, he's just come over to visit his nephew. Mm -hmm. And, like, we could have, like, laid these seeds where he was having these interactions and the girl never confirms that they're in a relationship. And And you still establish... His paranoia that his brother is coming on to what he believes is his wife and his child. Yeah, because, I mean, it's realistic that a family would want, like, their drug-addicted sibling to get help and to get better and to get off of it. So we could have still, like, had these moments where maybe he came over to visit and maybe he came to babysit. Maybe he had a moment where he was, like, doing a little bit better. And so He's a little clean, so invite him over for dinner. Yeah, (laughs) so you kind of get these snippets, and then we lay these careful breadcrumbs to find out later these interactions from the other people's perspective were not 
the way he was seeing the world. Yeah, you almost have to create a mirror for this type of a movie to where it's like, oh, everything I thought was batshit. And then halfway through, which they did technically, halfway through, you don't know what side of the mirror you're on. And then you realize that your main character has been the man inside Mm -hmm. the mirror the whole time. And maybe the move isn't... I mean, that's a pretty dramatic plot shift, but maybe the move isn't to have his brother be dead because ultimately at the end of the day, his brother being dead to him isn't really important to the movie because the only thing that matters is that his brother lives in the sewers and addicted to drugs and then it turns out that's actually him. So maybe in his mind, his brother is just this failure drug addict can't get his life together. Yeah. Like, why do we need this big conspiracy reveal that his brother isn't dead at all? Because it doesn't change. Because the everybody movie. else in the world knows that his brother is still alive, yeah. but he could just be the fuck up down the street. Yeah. Oh no, I'm the fuck up down the street. <laughs> yeah. And you can't have a character paranoid or not saying to another character that knows that isn't the truth. My brother's dead because they're immediately going to go. No, he's not. Yeah. No, Paul. Yeah. I see yeah. him every day. So if you if you leave out that section of the story and he just thinks his brother's the addict and it turns out he's the addict, you could subtly like do these twists where he's interacting with characters that don't see the interaction the same way that he does mm-hmm. and then we're led to the ending where it's like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> that wasn't how any of that stuff happened, was it? Instead of none of that stuff happened at all. Yeah. I I think it's a fucking sloppy mess. I I really want to watch the original Jacob's Ladder, and then we might I might have to just buy that one, and we can watch it together, and then do a comparison episode where it's like, well, this is what it originally was—the highly praised cult classic that is not a cock ring. <laughs> I'm gonna Google that after this. That's definitely that's a real thing. <laughs> You should Google it too, people. I don't like the face you're giving me. Like, you want me to go get one. No, no, I know I'm right. Because you threw me off for a minute there when you were like, that's a Prince Albert. And I was like, oh, that is a a piercing, isn't it? But no, what I'm talking about is a different thing. And I know that it's a real thing. No, I'm I'm just feeling confident that I'm right. You ready to go eat some spaghetti, my love? Yeah. This was a terrible film. Yeah. It was a 5%. It was. The wings were good. Yeah, they were too spicy. <laughs> <laughs> but you can go find us over on Instagram at... At Nightmare Box Productions. Or swing on over there to the Twitter at... At Nightmare Box Pro. Or Facebook us at... Facebook.com slash Nightmare Box Productions. You can go to YouTube.com slash Kristen Bloom where you can go see some of her earlier work. You can see what she accomplished in college. You can see the dolls, I believe, is still on that channel. Or you can go to the channel where I know the dolls is, which is YouTube.com slash Nightmare Box Productions. Over there you can see the dolls. You can see Happy Birthday. You can see Brainstorm. You'll eventually be able to see the one that I'm eventually going to write. I thought I was going to write it today. But I fixed my seatbelt, so go me. I'm not going to get thrown through the windshield. Probably, more responsible choice, actually. <laughs> Probably more responsible with winter coming up. <laughs> or you can go to the website, which is? Uh, the Nightmare Box Stop blog. Uh, and over there, you can see all three of those movies. You can go see The Dolls. You can go see Happy Birthday. You can go and see Brainstorm. And uh, you can read the scripts for all three. You can see pictures that were done behind the scenes, including my fancy little ha that I can't do now because I shaved my beard away mm. today. So, is that all of them? Did we do Facebook? Facebook. We have did that. But oh. we can do it again. 
the email. We have another email. The email address. Nightmareboxproductions at gmail. At gmail.com. And if you guys have any comments or anything that you want to um you want us to talk about, um, yeah, just fucking email them to us. Um also if you're interested in buying the book, The Madman Diaries a collection, buy some dude. You know, it's not that important. Definitely not me. Um you could send us $10 and I'll send you that book. No matter where you live in the whole fucking world. I don't care if it costs me $20 to get it there. Send me 10 bucks. I'll sign the bastard. I'll put it in the mail. Uh, until I get around to dealing with the PayPal uh, partisanships. <laughs> but I'm happy to, uh, to let you guys know that the coronavirus has ended. <laughs> Armageddon is over. Okay. Good Lord Jesus came down and eradicated our president all right <laughs> i love you sweetheart love you. and i love you guys i'm gonna go make her some fancy sketty yeah. and we're gonna watch something stupid yesterday i watched the tiger king <laughs> <laughs> just to make myself feel like i felt at the beginning of the bullshit <laughs> that bitch carol baskin here kitty kitty <laughs> i said here kitty kitty that bitch